Hello, my name is Tanai and I'm a women's intimacy and empowerment coach. For years, I tried to heal what I thought was commitment phobia and I realized that there's actually no such thing. This podcast is an opportunity to have conversations about what gets in the way of us creating real intimacy and how can we have more deep and vulnerable connections in our relationships. This is Commitment Phobe. Hello, everybody. I am recording this in a really big room, so hopefully the sound isn't too spacey, or I don't really know what it's called in technical terms. Wow, this is going to be an episode that's truly just going to flow out of me. Um, I decided to record this about 10 minutes ago (laughs) and share with you, um, my goodness, a part of my avoidant attachment story that I have not shared. So I just had this big mind-blowing moment that I've been telling my story as, you know, I'm this person who when a man tries to get close, I get overwhelmed by their desire or their feelings. And that's the moment that I start getting anxious and start pushing them away. And the truth is that the anxiety doesn't actually start when they start showing me feelings because there's two types of, um, of avoidance. There is anxious avoidant, and then the other one is called, oh, let me look it up. I just had it. It's like detached avoidant or something like that. Dismissive avoidant. Yeah, dismissive. So the dismissive don't actually want emotional intimacy or close relationships. So it's like the, you know, movie version of someone who's avoidant. The the like the classic version, right? Who we think of someone who is really unavailable and they have this person like chasing them and and they don't actually even see the value in emotional connection. They're just totally cut off. Whereas anxious avoidance, they do want connection. It's just that the connection provides so much anxiety that then they turn to avoidance to relieve themselves. And anxious, they do the opposite. So they feel the anxiety and what they do is that they actually um, get closer to somebody in order to relieve themselves. <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm pretty sure this is the worst kind just because you get the, both, the, the worst of both worlds. And it's really freeing for me to talk about this today and kind of like just admit it to myself that the anxiety actually starts when not when I perceive that this person is trying to get close to me but actually when I perceive that this person is trying to push me away so everything is fine as I've mentioned it starts with everything's great and then And then they actually start showing signs that I interpret as dangerous um, in that they don't like me or they're not as available as I thought they were or they're using me or pushing me away or really like my mind will go to so many places and make a really big deal out of very small things. So you know, a classic example is let's say like I hang out with a guy and then doesn't text me the next day or maybe text me like late at night 
Like already by by the time that I've received that message, I've spent the entire day eating, like my stomach is eating me from the inside and I'm just, I've closed off to this person. Like where I was open and feeling connected and joyful, I am now scared, blocked off. I used to feel really angry actually, even like I would just villainize a person. And yeah, and feel crazy because then, because then the person would like reach out and be, you know, normal. (laughs) And I remember how I'd actually just like feel this relief, like, oh, they reached out and feel happy. But then I was repressing all of the fear and repressing the anger and the sadness and all of that and like coming into contact with this person because I didn't want to seem crazy. Um, and I didn't know how to hold myself at the time. Like I didn't know that all of that anxiety was for me to take care of. I would just use like what the most important thing for me was keeping myself safe. Right. And doing the smart thing, taking care of my heart. So I, 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 you know, I, I really convinced myself that whatever this person was doing was a sign that they didn't like me or that they're not safe. And I did not have the capacity to talk about it with with that person or even with a therapist. I Yeah, it's just like not even something that I really knew how to put to words. All I was really looking for was validation from everyone that this person wasn't safe. You know, because I'd say things like, yeah, like they're being cold or they're not making the effort or they're not being affectionate. And I'd think of all the these examples of like healthy relationships where people were that way. And then also think about just like the the story that everyone tells you that if a guy wants you, he lets you know, he really goes after you, he um, he pursues you. And the truth is, at least in my experience, you know, it's not always like that. Like men don't always feel this confidence to pursue you and tell you like, meet me here at this time. And then the next day message you and then feel confident enough to be open with their feelings. And, you know, in my case, I've, I've dated a lot of guys that have actually felt insecure about reaching out and showing how they feel or pursuing me being direct. And it was a reflection of my availability. And, you know, from everything that I've learned, the masculine response to the feminine. Um, And I think it's just, I think it's fair to say that in general, we, we respond to each other. But I guess they say that the masculine responds to the feminine. Like whoever is in the masculine, like tendency to be in that energy will really open up if the feminine opens up, it's like, you know, just, uh, an effect. So yeah, just thinking back, it's like, because I was perceiving all these ways that this person was shutting me out when really they were just either like taking care of themselves or going slowly or whatever. I was already like on guard. And so, you know, let's say, um, they would text me something sweet, but like days later or something, <laughs> I was cold in return. I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't know how to receive it cause I was so scared and I didn't want to get hurt. 
And so from then, it just snowballed from there of like, I'm now not totally open, but also pretending to be. Because um, there was this part of me that wanted to be right, but I wasn't addressing the her. I wasn't addressing the anxiety, the fear. And suddenly I would start to feel like a little girl, like desperately wanting this person's attention and, and giving them all my power because, yeah, the moment that they pay attention to me, I was happy. And the moment that they didn't, I was so anxious and so scared. And then would come the part where it's interesting. It's like interesting to think that then what what would come was like this person was falling for me deeply, even though at this point I'm like energetically closed off. I'm faking it. Um, I'm saying the right things, but don't really mean it. And I, I, I get, I, that makes me curious about like these men being attracted to me, but that's not the point. Um, at that point, um, you know, that's like the, you know, the, through time, the guy would start falling for me and then the avoidant would get sparked. So it's like, it's like I, I was waiting all this time for this guy to, to break or like show me his affection, open his heart for me, um, tell me that he loves me. And then the moment that they did, it was just, yeah, that it was game over for me. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's like I, I desperately would want them to really show me that I can trust them, to really show me that they like me. And then the moment that they did, I would either like not believe them or I just shut down. And suddenly I was not attracted to them anymore or, um, yeah, interested in being in connection with them. So what's interesting for me is retelling the story that I've told for like the past 10 years, literally, and including this part that I've actually, I've personally never heard anybody talk about. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess I've, I've heard a lot of people talk about the anxious part which is, you know, when someone is anxious and someone pulls away, then what the person does is try to pull them back. And then the avoidant type, which is, you know, someone who's just not interested in closeness. And I'm realizing that my story actually involves both. And there's something really freeing about naming that the avoidance isn't because I want to be close. It's actually because I'm afraid to. And that is, yeah, that is a very unique distinction. And I'm, I'm curious about people, people who are listening and um, relating to that because I'm sure so many people experience this. And I don't know. There isn't that much. Yeah, I don't know. It's like vulnerable to say, you know, I obsess about not getting a text back or like I obsess about, someone not saying something the the right way right or like one for me because I'm very into this feminine and masculine energy stuff is like for a while and even now if I perceive that a man is not pursuing me and not being in his masculine then my you know my um uh like I start getting a little on edge, which totally, uh, actually, like, it even makes sense, you know. 
as someone who likes to be pursued, as someone who likes to feel like someone's interested for me to surrender. It makes sense. It's not like, it's not totally just out of nowhere. It actually has like an equation to it. Anyway, man, has it been a freaking roller coaster, guys. It is not easy. It is not easy to deal with these two things, to why connections so badly and at the same time your strategy to deal with the fear is to push someone away who i mean not that it's any better not that it's any worse than pulling someone close to you but you know i i like i, I still have those thoughts get triggered and fears and I wanted to come on and share real time what's been helping me. I know all of you really appreciate when I do that and not enough people do that. So yeah, I've been on a couple of dates with someone and some of these things have started to get triggered. And number one, what's helped me is to name all the fears out loud. So there's a practice where you talk to yourself in the mirror it's like journaling, but when you talk to yourself in the mirror, it it helps you connect to your heart. It helps you connect to compassion for yourself and your softness because you're looking at yourself in the face. And it's, it's so much easier to drop into self-love and compassion when you're looking at yourself in the eyes. So, you know, name it to tame it, feel it to heal it. I think the first thing that always helps me is to start naming how I feel, connect to my body, name what I feel in my body. Because many times all of these experiences like anxiety, first off, anxiety is based in fear, right? Like anxiety is the sensation we're going through in the body based on fears that we have. And and it's in the body. It's a sensation. So I start naming what it is that I'm afraid of. And I also start naming what it is that I feel in the body. And I've, um, as I've mentioned, I, I took a course with Gabor Mate, and one of my favorite things that he says is that wherever there's tension needs attention. So many times, all that is needed is to really put attention in the places where there's tension in our body. So often, in my case at least, what didn't work for me is that whenever I felt anxiety, especially this kind, I would try to push it away and what you resist persists. So it would just make it worse. <laughs> and sometimes the trick and most of the time is to actually lean in and actually really feel it. And it helps to feel it by naming the sensations like feeling this in my chest, feeling this temperature, feeling this color, feeling the speed. And then I, I might even give a voice to it like, if I gave a voice to this anxiety and turned the volume up to like 100, what would it say? And I let myself be as dramatic and needy as possible to myself, like really naming all this out loud because as long as it lives in my head, it completely tortures me. And it's just like disorganized jumbled thoughts. But the moment that I start verbalizing them, there's sentences and, and, I'm, and I'm hearing myself say these things and it's helpful, you know, because first off, I'm clear about what it is that's happening with me and and it's so helpful to know what it is that you're feeling 
that brings a lot of power and control back. And then there's some things where I just hear myself and, and first off, it's like, I either feel for me like, oh, wow, yeah, it makes sense that I feel this way. And, and all I need is to kind of put my hand on my chest and just give myself some love. Or sometimes I hear myself and it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> and I hear how I'm making a big deal out of something really small in order to push someone away, in order to protect myself. So what I described is the process of regulating I used to think that regulating meant relaxing and, you know, getting into a meditative state or breathing or walking, which can help sometimes. And sometimes regulating, like what regulating actually means is to be present with what it is that, with what it is that you're feeling. Like when you regulate a baby, when you, um, what's it called? Co, co-regulate with a baby, you you're meant to get in touch with what they're feeling and like be in it with them as opposed to try to calm them down. So instead, what's helpful is to actually be aware of what it is that we're feeling while this baby's freaking out and then feel for them. Like really being their spot and, and, and you know, understand what it is that they're feeling and validate them and match them in a way, be, be at, on their level as opposed to try to get rid of what it is that they're feeling. So it's kind of the process that I've been taking myself through when this happens. Becoming intimate with the anxiety and what it is that I'm feeling and vocalizing it, letting it out. Because anxiety can be this bomb that's just exploding inside us. And, and then there's the part of feeling it to heal it, which is that I don't think, I don't think I'll actually, you know, get a handle of the anxiety if I don't allow myself to feel whatever I'm feeling, including the anxiety, including the fear, including the sadness, just letting myself move through it, being very kind with myself as I feel it. And checking in with myself about what's uh, like a perception and what's a reality. I think once, once I've, I've named how I feel, letting it all out and letting myself feel it, that's when it's easy to actually focus on something else as opposed to focusing on something else as a distraction. This is like where I get to the point of genuinely being able to focus on something else without obsessing about this other person because I'd like to think that needing someone to you know respond to me when I want them to or be there for me when I want them to is um emotional codependency you know I'd like to continue to grow my capacity to regulate myself hold myself and not um not have these high expectations of who I need someone to be and how I need them to be in order for me to be okay. And I actually think it's a gift when this gets triggered because the only way that I'm going to really continue to heal is by triggering it. I had this coach 
in a, in a program that I did once that would say that you can't train a dog while it's behaving. You can train it while it's misbehaving. And that's the, that's the case here. And that's really the case in our personal relationships, which is that we attract these people, they trigger us, and then that's the opportunity to lean in and, and take that as an opportunity to go there. Heal whatever is meant to be healed, embrace the part of us that's meant to be embraced, release um, trauma that's been held in the body, open up to love. Triggers can be the door to deepening our, um, our connection with ourselves, our ability to be, our ability to feel, our ability to feel the other and connect with the other. So what has changed drastically is that I used to take triggers as the sign to run away and as the problem. And now I'm actually leaning towards them, which is a sign of, you know, a healthy attachment style, which is that conflict doesn't make you run away. You're actually able to withstand conflict and um, share your feelings, feel um, um, and not freak the fuck out. (laughs) Not freak the fuck out by like, Pulling someone in and not wanting them to go and making them wrong if they pull away or pushing someone away because it's too overwhelming. Hmm. Another one of the teachings that's, that has really impacted my life is that my intimacy coaches would talk about how if you block one emotion, you block all emotions. And that's why... I talk so much about expanding our, our capacity to feel pain because ultimately our ability to feel love relies on our ability to feel pain. The more we open up to feel the pain, the more we're also opening up to feel the love. So I, I, I play around with myself and I talk to other people about this, about you know what's the right balance of protecting your heart you know, and knowing who to open up with and connect with and be vulnerable with, right? Almost like being responsible with your heart and everything, your sexual energy, your connection, your time, your space. And also leaning into the hurt, leaning into letting go of control and letting yourself experience, letting yourself be led by your impulse or your heart or your desires and not worry so much about getting hurt so much. <laughs> I was talking to my mom the other day and telling her, you know, she she had just gotten an astrology reading and they told her that that I came up and that something that like a message for me is that I need to be less rigid around relationships and um be more open, right, to people. And I was telling her that that's actually something that I've been like really leaning into the, the past couple of years. And I've just gotten so hurt, right? <laughs> I, I've, I've even recorded episodes about this, just about falling for men that don't like me back or falling for men that aren't available and just really noticing the amount of men that I've been you know, pursuing that aren't available. And she, she pointed out that sometimes it's, you know, the, the transformation is a pendulum swing. Sometimes we have to swing all the way to the other side 
to know how to get to the balance because how how could we know balance if we actually haven't experienced both sides right like how do we recognize what balance is and have experiences in many areas of my life in my relationship to money in my um rebelliousness you know in my teen years um in my relationship to my masculine, to my feminine. And now that makes total sense. What I'm experiencing is that I've swung to the other side and I'm leaning into opening my heart, leaning into not running away. Naturally, not with all the people who, you know, deserve it or are willing to do the same. But that has truly taught me so much the past couple of years about my worth, about what I want, about the ways that I pursue unavailable men again as a way of me avoiding intimacy. I've learned about the things that I tolerate. I learned about the places where I abandon myself or don't ask for what I want, um, where I prioritize somebody else's needs before mine. Also in being so rigid with my expectations like I lowered them so much and now I'm recognizing like what what actually represents someone putting in effort or not and validating, okay, yeah, you know, this guy hasn't been doing this. It really does mean that he's not pursuing me. Um, and being really graceful with myself about about all this heartbreak, which is also allowing me to be to feel like empathize with people who've been here and make space for this whole new part of me, the part of me that I would have judged as weak, the part of me that I would have judged as pathetic, the part of me that I would have judged as needy and allowing myself to be compassionate for those things naturally lowers the pressure and um, demand that I put on myself. It's so beautiful how it works that way. The more that we make space and the more that we accept the parts of ourselves that we're actually trying to avoid being, (laughs) the more we have room for our imperfections. And yeah, it's just that that then lowers guilt because guilt comes from feeling like you've done something wrong. That also then lowers shame because shame is feeling bad about being a certain way. It's so, it's such a beautiful process and so contradictory. The fact that allowing ourselves to be what we, you know, see as wrong actually makes us love ourselves more. (laughs) So I will say that giving space for my humanness and for the neediness and um, falling for the unavailable men and all of that has built this strength inside of me that I did not have when I was being super picky about who I was falling for and closing my heart when I didn't think someone, you know, was really able to receive it or had good intentions. <sighs> so that's my process right now. And I'm really proud of myself for where I am today. I, if, if you're listening and, you know, you're, you're feeling really far from here, I invite you to start feeling your feelings. 
because all of these unhealthy patterns that we have, all the ways that we self-sabotage or protect ourselves, all the ways that aren't aligned with love for ourselves or our greatness are just mechanisms we design we design to not feel certain things and the truth of the matter is that we come alive and we live our greatest selves when we allow ourselves to feel everything so gently lovingly patiently and compassionately i invite you to start leaning into the feelings that make you uncomfortable start questioning the thoughts that come from fear Lean on people, truly lean on as much support as you can. The like everything that you want is right there. And part of allowing yourself to receive it is allowing yourself to get help to receive it in order to break down all these beliefs and thoughts and patterns that keep you from having what you want. It's so hard to see it when you're so far away. Like I had no idea how any of the stuff that I've been doing was going to help me be where I am today and it is a trust fall it's a a, a, what is it called a blind a a faith of trust the faith of something (laughs) blind faith or I don't even know I'm sure you guys know what I'm saying (laughs) but the important thing is to to keep walking and keep um keep trusting that it's all gonna work out and that truly if you have your mindset on it you're gonna get it everything starts becoming clearer and clearer because everything that you have is something that you actually want unconsciously. So the life that you have is the life that you designed. And in order to get something different, you got to start being different. And we can all do this together. I'm right here with you. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. And I'm excited to keep sharing with all of you how this unfolds and excited to feel in myself my expanding capacity for love and connection and excited that I get to share with all of you all the lessons that I learn and will continue to learn along the way. If this resonates with you majorly and you want to talk about it or give me a shout out or... um, or have any questions, please reach out. Also, if you like this episode, please share it on social media. I'm really trying to get those viewerships up and get this message out and have more people have these kind of conversations. So thank you in advance, and I hope you took a lot away from this episode.